A city of justice A city of love A city of peace For every one of us We all need it Can't live without it A Gotham City Gotham Chronicle Podcast, powered by the Batman Universe. My name is Donovan, and today I'm joined by the songstress of the South, the one who puts the fun in Sanford and Son, my pal, Stella. Hello. I, I For some reason, the intro turned into Dragon Ball Z because you were screaming the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we finally got rid of that meddling Josh, and it's just us alone together. I know, it was it was Dustin who made the final call, but we were more than happy to carry it out. So <laughs> you'll never hear him again. So now that Josh is out of our hair forever, until next month, um, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, the most recent episode as of this recording, episode fourteen, titled "The." It was, it was a fearsome Doctor Crane, correct? The fearsome Doctor Crane. Yes. All right, just making sure. Episode 14, The Fearsome Dr. Crane. Um, in this episode, after the fallout of Fish Mooney being run out of town, um, Penguin gleefully tells Moroni that she's gone forever slash potentially dead. At that convenient moment, uh, Moroni gets a call from Fish saying that uh, Penguin's working for Falcone. So Moroni decides to take matters into his own hands. Elsewhere, a new case has hit uh, GCPD when people are starting to die from what has been discovered as their actual phobias, like agoraphobia and pig phobia and, and such and such, or at least being attacked. So uh, Gordon and Bullock investigate. During the investigation, Gord, uh, Bullock attempts to woo a, uh, a fear uh, sort of counsel therapy session. Uh, the, the, the woman who works... A counselor, basically. Oh, yes. Um, Also in GCPD, we see more uh, developments with Edward Nigma and um, his job. And I'm trying to think, what else? There's I know Bruce Wayne also tells Gordon to... uh, He's freeing him from his promise of bringing his parents' killers to justice because of what Selena Kyle had told him, that she was lying about knowing who the killer was. And is, is there any other plots in the show? What fish is doing? I mean, fish, fish is on you know Commodore Schmidt Labs uh, boat, and we see her once mm-hmm. or twice. But by the end of the episode, the boat is being taken over by pirates. So she and like the head pirate have a <laughs> like, like knockout drag out fight that we don't get to see because the episode ends. Um, and I believe that covers all the main beats uh, in synopsis before we get into the reviews. Stella, what were your overall thoughts on the fearsome Doctor Crane? Yeah, well, uh, if you've been following my uh, life, then uh, you know that I went to the gym, (laughs) and I was going to go walking on the treadmill and watch this, but treadmill number 13 is my favorite, because I'm actually a big Taylor Swift fan. uh, Treadmill number 13 is broken, so I went on an elliptical, but each time I was elliptical, and I was going, whoa, (laughs) and that just was, uh, it, it was super distracting. So I had to get off, and I ended up watching it. That's so unkind. Is that that an accident? (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) See, the thing about this show is when you leave, like, you're leaving yourself open and vulnerable to what the remaining two co-hosts can uh, can talk about. But so that was Josh's life or my interpretation of his life. I actually thought that this was a weak episode. Okay. uh, Compared to last week's and I think previous ones where normally I really like the the Jim Gordon uh, like whatever the GCPD is doing I always think that those are my favorite stories and Cobblepot as well but I think that the police stuff was actually the weakest it was just slow moving um, more of a focus I think on on Bullock trying to woo his woman than you know uh, everything else that was going on and I I guess I like Scarecrow, um, but but I feel like his father didn't really grab me as much. I wasn't as intrigued with with what was going on, and you know you could tell right off the bat that oh this has got to be Jonathan Crane's father. I think some of the smaller plots that you actually don't see a lot were some of the stronger ones. Um, Fish just seeing her that one time her interaction with the captain saying, well he asked you know. 
Gotham's on the horizon if you want to say goodbye. And she said, oh, don't worry, I'll be back. I, I just thought, like, the way she said it and, and just the phrasing was really strong. And then Bruce's interaction uh, with James uh, I thought was, was really good as well because it was mm-hmm. it was emotional. And uh, I, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And then the Penguin, it was okay. I, I think when... They were almost about to pay, play Russian Roulette, that was, or Truth or Dare, or Truth or Truth, whatever it was they were playing. Uh, I think that's where it got really strong. But uh, I, I just think overall this wasn't the strongest episode, so I didn't really enjoy it as much. I don't know if I could disagree with you more. <laughs> well, we disagreed last time, so I guess here we are. Uh, this is this is why it's awesome to have me on the show and not that cow-toting <laughs> Bertoni. Um, well, no, uh, I... I, 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 I can understand your thought process, but having been kind of like, you know, ho-hum over the last several episodes, I found myself thoroughly enjoying this one. Um, the Jim Gordon Bullock uh, cases, that they always those are always very hit or miss. I understand that. They're always very much like, you know, either you care about what they're doing or you just want to see them, you know, deal with their personal lives. But um, and honestly, I honestly thought the weakest aspect of this episode was the scare, like the, well, not scare, but like, you know, the crane stuff, because it was very goofy, it was very over the top, like, uh, we're, we're going to juxtapose this horrific murder with, like, you know, the wacky maid, and then, like, you know, and the second one where, like, the guy is walking down the street on his bow tie, and this, and this, this scary-looking guy with a top hat, dark coat, and glasses, like, he's uh, the villain from Roger Rabbit, like, he's, a, he's, a, he's petting a pig, and then, I know, like Dr. Evil. No, no, a pig. And the music's like, dun, 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 dun. And like, he's like so afraid. It's, it, it comes off as really, really goofy. Uh, all that being said, I really liked, like the Penguin Maroney thing, I thought was, like you said, the strongest part. It was, um, yeah, yeah, I, I honestly just, I, I thought it was just really well done, really engaging. Um, and it's one of those things that I was kind of wanting from the Falcone thing is that like the natural consequences when Penguin's found out because he's such a shifty liar. Uh, and we'll get more to that later on. Uh, I like Bullock and Gordon scenes. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say this because I didn't mention the synopsis. I'm, again, on, on strict principle as a die in the wool Batman fan of the comics, I don't want to like the Gordon and Leslie Tonkin's oh, romance. But, I did like the scenes, at least. Although they were kind of, like, amusing. Like, uh, how at the, at the end he said, you know, my body is telling me to kiss you. <laughs> and then she's like, you know. Luckily, he didn't say it in I, that what? manner. He's, he's like, like, you should ask first. Well, why don't you ask me? And then they kiss, and, you know, they play the end song from License to Kill. Oh but God. overall, I honestly thought that, like, this was... A, a thoroughly enjoyable episode, and um, it'll be interesting to talk about where we agree mm-hmm. disagree uh, scene by scene. So, uh, now that I've talked for the last minute or two, do you want to start things off by picking which uh, subplot you want to hit up first? Um, do you want to go smallest to largest? Uh, it's yeah. Up to you. I imagine that this... Well, no, I truly don't care. Because well, uh, there was a hesitation. I imagine the smallest would be... That's why, if you didn't want to do it that way. Well, I mean, you know, like, like, like men always take the leads and dates, but uh, what are we calling this? Um, I, we can talk with the Bruce thing, because yeah, like, that was like, basically yeah. two scenes. That are, uh, oh, I should probably mention that, like, it's first head off by, oh, oh Joshua, I love this. So Gordon goes back to oh, his, yes. his uh, ex-fiancé's yep. house. So he goes there, and then he runs into Selena, and then he catches her and says, how long have you been staying here? Oh, a few days. And he says, what are you doing here? This is, this is your girlfriend's place. Not You're not invited. Well, I was just dropping off my keys. Oh, so and then like apparently she's interested by the romance thing. I guess she thinks they're done with you two, huh? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's like uh, so that's established that he had keys to her place the entire time, but didn't live. Uh, kind of lived there, mm-hmm. kind of didn't. But um, that's when she he says uh, she says um, she can't go with him because she told Bruce that she was lying about knowing who the killer of his parents was, and then she escapes again. Which promised Gordon to go to Wayne Manor and talk to Bruce, and Bruce has already made up his mind, saying, "You know, I'm not going to rely on you. I want to rely on myself to figure out who Joe Chill is." So, um, what were you thinking about all yeah, that? Yeah, well, first of all, let's yeah, let's talk about let's dig into the uh, apartment scene. Which very sad that Josh shovel. is <laughs> coming trouble. Very sad that Josh is not here because I think he's been wanting to know about this for a while. Now, what strikes me as amusing is he walks through the door and he says, "Barbara." <laughs> As if, like, holding out so much hope 
that she's so going she to cares. be there. And I think he did that the last time, too. He walked in and said, Barbara. So, I mean, she's been gone for, let's just say, a month. I don't even know how much time has passed. But he still holds out hope that she's there. I don't know why he hasn't dropped off keys sooner than this. Like, the first time he popped in when Ivy Pepper and uh, and Selena were there, but they they scampered off. I, I, I don't know why he's been holding on. Maybe it's now he's finally moving on. Um, but of course, how does he lock the door behind him if he's dropping off some keys? Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's, it's, is he still living in the locker room? I, I think that's the, the question is now, you know, where is he actually staying now if he's dropped off these keys and has he actually packed up his stuff and, and moved out? Are you, are you positive that he doesn't have a, it's like a small place of his own? Well, well, because the when uh, Leslie walked into the locker room, like she commented that he had been staying there, or he's because he said oh, that he was yeah. between places. So right now we can only assume that he's still spending his nights off in the in the men's locker room somewhere. But I don't know where. Yeah, it reminds me of when people thought that janitors lived in the boiler rooms of schools. Um, but yeah, so who knows about that? So then we go into to. to to Wayne Manor, uh, which which I, I think that was a nice segue because sometimes I think there are awkward shifts from one thing to the other, but there was a nice connection. It made sense to see exactly, yeah. And uh, I was shocked um, that that Selena came clean with with uh, James because I thought of all people that would be like really difficult because I think she's able to be just really cynical with Bruce and it's easy to get back at him for just little things that he does but I think James Gordon um there's a bit more to it but now you know she just has come through and I guess come clean but I still don't know if I believe her but I do like that Bruce like at the end of the other episode where he was crying and then he decided hey I'm going to use this broom to clean things up uh you know he has really moved on but it was uh it was a hard scene to watch for me, just the fact that he was saying, you know, you made a promise that you couldn't keep. It's been months. You you haven't found the killer. And I think he's saying it matter-of-factly. He's not saying it to intentionally wound uh, James. But it's just, I mean, when you look at, you know, James, obviously he's very, he is hurt by it because he did make this promise and he had every intention of carrying it out. But, you know, it's just been really tough. And I, I just like the line that, that Bruce says that, you know, he releases him from his uh, his word or whatever, and then he goes on and, and does it, and it seems like a very Bruce thing to say, but it was almost as if we were watching an adult, an adult rather than a, than a kid, you know, say that to him, but it was a tough scene to watch, but I thought that it was executed very well in one of my, my favorite scenes. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I mean, I think that, like, I, I've said consistently throughout this podcast that um, I feel that the characters... The characterization of Bruce Wayne has been really spot on, as best as one can figure. And I think that, like, I kind of find that this version is very much, he's trying to be an adult. He's trying, he, he, the, the actor chooses to come off as very bottled up emotions. Like, he's trying not to, like, just break or scream or cry and kind of move forward. And, and he ends up being, he ends up in to other people as very stoic and very stiff and that's that's almost kind of how Batman is as an adult although he obviously has a lot more control over his emotions but um it's an interesting and, and a, I think always a logical way because he's always dealing with setbacks he's always dealing with disappointments from other people which leads to him relying on himself so I again I'm always I'm always happy with how they're treating this character and I think that like um, I also Jim because those are the two most reliable and easy to watch characters just based because they have no vices they have no oh yes Jim is one or two but like there's no real sense of, you know, these characters are going to disappoint the, the viewer by doing something bad or stupid. So, um, it was nice to see them. It was nice to see, like, you know, Alfred kind of side with Bruce and say, like, you know, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. take care of him. Get, get out. So. Yeah. That, that was- and he even, he accuses him, too, that, like, you're the one who brought the assassins here in a sarcastic way. My- yeah. <laughs> was this, uh almost Australian accent. But, um, but I, I, it's, it's not one of those scenes that like leaves a strong impression of me in my mind, but when I think back on it, I like what I remember of it. So I agree. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I would have disagreed that's one of the strongest scenes of the, of the show, but it's still a good scene because I, I like this episode quite a bit. 
from there, shall we move on to, in terms of, I guess, either importance or interest, uh, oh, here's one thing, okay, let's get into the, uh, the, um, I guess I shouldn't say Riddler, but, uh, the Edward Nigma several scenes, <laughs> he, he's in a lot of screen time he in these, did. these last few yeah, he did, yeah. So, uh, what were you thinking about his, like, you know, rise and, his fall and his rise and return back to GCPD and how that, uh, those hijinks. Yeah, I, last episode I talked about how I, I just felt super awkward watching those scenes happen, uh, just his interactions with, uh, (laughs) Miss Kringle and, you know, him walking in on people making fun of him. Like, it's sometimes difficult to watch that, you know, as a viewer, because it's almost as if you're there and, and you're just empathizing with that character. And these, uh, I didn't have any of that awkwardness, and I really enjoyed him. I think for this particular episode, he, he took over um, the Penguin spot uh, for, for one of my favorite characters. I, um, well, first of all, something's going on with Ms. Kringle. I don't know why she's crying exactly. And uh, in the back of my mind, I wondered if, like, this is, like, crazy style talking, but, like, that she's some sort of undercover or double. (laughs) What's the difference between crazy style and regular style? Um, If she's, like, some sort of double and she's actually not a good guy, and I thought, and maybe the pressure's getting to her, but that's that could be, like, a super outlandish thing. But I just wonder, you know, what is going on that she's crying? Well, I mean, um, no, I, no, I, I think that's, like, honest, class, we're dealing with so. Yeah. We're, we're dealing yeah. with Gotham City, yeah, like, you know, like, we're corrupt cops are, that's yep. not home. So, <laughs> <laughs> as a song, as a song, you know, yeah. threatens. Um, I think, that, I mean, she, she, what does she do? She's a file, what is she, what is she a, a desk clerk? Yeah, it seems the, like she's basically, yeah, the, the file keeper. I think that's a perfectly sound, to guess that uh, somebody who works at the mm-hmm. GCPD is, is corrupt. Either corrupt or you know a future supervillain. <laughs> I think that's a perfectly sound idea. So that would be mm-hmm. interesting, and that's that's and the, the reason why she's crying is you know she can't yeah. keep up the duality. That's a very interesting idea. I I, I didn't mm-hmm. think about that. I I personally I have no opinions of myself because I honestly don't know. I can't imagine she's it's what like he guessing she's sad of her flask. But um, I I think it's uh certainly something to look out look out for as the season comes to a mm-hmm. close. Um, but but yeah, the Riddler. I'm surprised because I remember, like, when he first appeared, he was such, such a cameo character, yeah. and like, you know, this this guy sure is the Riddler, you guys, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And now, I feel that like kind of like Penguin, and almost kind of like Bruce too. Like, they're building him up in a way which I can buy. In that, like, you know, he said he said, "Riddle me this." He literally says, like, you know, what's what what gets bigger each time you cut it? Like, you know, whole and everyone's kind of yeah. ignoring him, and you can see like you know that the, the disappointment in his face and stuff. I feel that like that's very much a good they, they they have their their finger on the pulse of what makes that mm-hmm. character tick and i think that like they're constant they're constantly showing you that it's not just him you know being quirky every episode they're constantly showing him you know have his own setbacks and his own little successes and triumphs and stuff and i feel that it's going someplace so i i, I honestly like the scenes they're very mm-hmm. lighthearted, which which is welcome in this dark show yeah. um but uh it's, and it's, and it, I like seeing like, you know him be cr- kind of corrupt and like you know cheating the Emmy out of oh, his yeah. job and st- so I, I thought it was it was it was kind of nice for what it was. I think that like because uh, the last time you see those two together, Miss Kringle was kind of mm-hmm. smiles to herself. So I'm wondering, I'm not sure if she's warming to him or if she has something evil in mind. Yeah, I, I feel like she is playing some double, but I think with how she presents herself to him, that she's very. Um, up front, like I don't know if there's a double or duality for her. Uh, I think that their interactions are getting much better. I think perhaps they reached some sort of understanding in the in the previous one because she did show sympathy that you know he lost his job, and then now instead of lingering creepily waiting to say more things, he actually like turns around and goes. So he says what he has to say, and then he does say a little, and then he leaves. So he's not sticking around and, and being a creeper. So I feel like. He, he is getting some uh, some social um, lessons, perhaps, and, and growing in that manner. I liked him up on the roof, just, you know, not only being a crime scene investigator, because that's what he is, but trying to be a forensic 
person. And I, I watch a lot of shows that deal with this. You know, I, I've seen SV- like the Flash. Like the Flash, you said. Yeah, that's very true. The Flash. <laughs> uh, you know, I liked CSI when it was on. I watched Bones and things like so. Uh, I, I very much get into that, and I like that he certainly has the intelligence to to be that sort of person. And I like that he couldn't let it go because he wanted to know what was going on. And uh, and I liked that people were backing him up because I feel like this is the first time we've seen other people talk, uh, speak well of him because it seems like from their interactions, mm-hmm. they get a little annoyed. Jim is the only one who can answer the riddle, the riddles, but everyone, when he goes on and on, they're like, Edge is cut to the chase. But we see Sarah Essen defend him, that she said she can only do so much and with people watching out for like she's got to, she has to do something. And then... James actually saying, you know, I like Ed. So you have these people actually somewhat defending him, though he's not there to hear all these uh, these praises from them. And then, uh, so I, I made fun of Josh, but I think my shtick was that I used to fall asleep during the episodes. And unfortunately, this, and it's not because it's a bad show, but just like, I happen to watch it, and I'm just super exhausted. So I did, unfortunately, this was the first one in a while that I was falling asleep in. And uh, I think the first time I fell asleep was when he was in the locker room and with the lock. And I had to rewind it twice because I kept falling asleep. But I just couldn't figure out what was going on and what he was doing. But then when the medical examiner and and all those uh, arms came out and him holding them saying, this isn't what it looks like, so... Uh, you know, to a certain extent, the medical examiner may have deserved it, but just because you know, we we may not like the guy because he got him fired. I guess, yeah, I guess I suppose like ethically that that shouldn't have happened at all. But um, if if you like if you like Ed, then you feel bad because he he got fired because of this medical examiner. Um, but then again, yeah. So I guess it depends on if you're on the the side of right or on the side of. Uh, you want this one character to to pull through. But now the question is, you know, they have this new medical examiner, so is she going to be more welcoming to Ed helping her out, and is this going to be an awkward uh, situation? But, yeah, overall, I think it was a really good Edward Nigma episode because I think they moved beyond just, just his shtick of coming in, here's information, here's a riddle, I'm out. So they actually expanded upon him a little bit, and I think they did a good job. <laughs> Who are you more willing to side with, an innocent medical examiner or the riddle? Yeah, I realize once I said, you know, will we deserve it? That may be that that's not the right uh, way to phrase it. Um, one thing I'm not sure that you're aware of, because you weren't on the, like, you, you legitimately, like, weren't on TBU when this was going down, like, during the Tony Daniel run. Like, randomly, <laughs> I don't know if this is actually fully explained, but near the end of, like, the original Batman stories, uh, uh, they gave Riddler a daughter named Echo. It, was it Echo? Yeah, no, no, no. It was Enigma. It, her, her name was Enigma. Oh, Enigma. <laughs> e, e, like the word Enigma. And her last um, name was Enigma, so it was Enigma, Enigma. No, like, like, like <laughs> <laughs> explain yourself. <laughs> You're messing okay. me up. <laughs> like, like she was a costumed villain, like no. he was, like, it, like in green tights and a mask. And her her code name was okay. Enigma. E N I G M A. Um, and I think that that was really weird because I don't I don't remember a she had never be, appeared before b they, they've never mentioned who mm-hmm. her mother is and Are you c that it's Ms. it was well that's, that's, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. getting to that because you know we're, either we're wasting time giving uh, Enigma a doomed love interest or we're actually building something here because we we always you know you and Josh have your you know, have your game of tennis with, you know, who's Barbara Gordon's real mother going to be? Is this this, this horrible character? Or is it Leslie freaking Thompson or Tom, Tompkins? But, um, like, if they're going to do anything with this character, I'm not I'm not demanding that they make Echo because, or I keep saying Echo because that was one of his henchwomen, uh, Enigma, because that character was weird. But um, it's a, it's a, it's, not, it's a thought because she actually doesn't look unlike his daughter from that comic run. So I think it's a a potential ship there, whether we want it or not. Um, uh, let's see. What can we move from here that uh, is appropriate in uh, interest and discussion? Well, I guess uh, if we stay we with GCPD. About, you're talking about uh, Bullock? Yeah. Bullock and he okay. So Bullock kind of takes the lead on this case because he has the hots for this uh, redheaded Vicky Vale looking uh, counselor. I forget her name, but um, 
that was that was a thing. Um, what, what were you thinking about that whole bit where Bullock was one, on one end? It seemed like Bullock was just you know spitting game, and on the other end, when he goes to the uh, therapy session, it sounds like he's actually mm-hmm. confessing some innate fears that he mm-hmm. may have. What was your take? On that? Whether he was being truthful or not, you mean? Um, what did you? Oh, okay. Just what scene? I thought about it. Um. I I really liked Bullock in this. I, I did think it's slightly a little too fast, a little too forced, just that it was like puppy love puppy love, uh just very smitten with this woman right off the bat. And perhaps it was just because it was a completely different book, I think, than we'd seen. Um, so to see him like this and make crazy things like hypothetically, would you be, you know, ready okay for dinner after after the therapy thing? And he is I, I think that you know, throughout you do see this Bullock that is the same Bullock where he is this macho guy and he even starts off making fun of like, what, it's these people that have fear? That's what it is. It's not, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that. So he does he does uh, do that, but, but I think perhaps just uh, him trying to uh, ingratiate himself with this woman, the, he does tone himself down. I think we do see a softer side of him, but I think perhaps... That's the Bullock uh, with women that he cares about because I feel like that's the Bullock we saw at the end of the previous episode when he said goodbye to Fish. So I think it's not too outlandish. And I do really think that he was truthful about, um, you know, having having fears every day. And, and he's in such a such a, uh, a rough city and now it's a very rough situation. And I like the dichotomy between his vulnerability there uh, with that group and, and being truthful, because I really do think he was. And at the very beginning, where Sarah Essen says, you need to, don't stand by the edge. Uh, look at you guys, you and Gordon just got rid of Flass. Flass has friends. And then he turns around and sees all these people giving him dirty looks. And then he steps over the, you know, closer to the edge uh, as if saying, you know, what now be being the strong guy so i like the the two sides of the coin uh, a scene bullock there I, I think that it created a nice well-rounded picture of of who bullock is. oh sorry yeah of who bullock is not gordon sorry what was your opinion of the uh, not, now that i'm thinking about it what was your opinion of the whole uh fear therapy session because kind of just briefly even my thoughts on that when i'm thinking about it now we see bullock talk about his fear of dying on mm-hmm. the line of duty by some random guy and then there's like there's um uh, Father Crane's like you know maybe made up fear about failing and stuff like that, uh, but then again this this is a place that houses people who have fears of pigs, and I'm wondering how healthy it may be to confess your deepest fears to strangers who you don't know how they might react to that because they're I think fear of death and fear of failure are perfectly natural but something like fear of pigs is a bit more eccentric, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm wondering how believable it is that that you know a, a therapy session of on fear would invite people to, to reveal their deepest, darkest phobias to people who may not share or even understand that. Well, what was your thoughts on that? I, I think uh, just like any sort of um, circle of people that, that have problems, uh, a lot of it is there to be with people. I think being a community of people that have a, a similar, um, I don't know if I really want to say dysfunction, but you know something in their lives that they can potentially relate to. Now, someone with a fear of pigs can't necessarily relate to someone with a fear of drowning in a pool, but just the fact that perhaps they have this debilitating fear, I think, connects them, and being able to talk about it with somebody, I, I think, helps. And I don't know if there are other... I, I keep thinking about... Uh, I don't know if it was on Ellen. Um but uh, Ellen, the talk show. But I do remember someone okay, had yeah. this fear of pennies, pennies, and so they filled up this tank, like a fish tank, full of pennies, and they were just trying to get her to like put her hand in it. And she's just freaking out, man. And so I wonder if, which, like, I was looking at this, and I was just thought to myself, I just don't understand. And so I think the fact that I could never be a counselor of of this, you know, of this fear talk because I would not be able to relate to them. But to have someone that we have our, our redhead there having a, an actual fear and being a counselor, I think that helps them. Just like, a, a, you know, our Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, the people who are actually leading have been there. 
Uh, so, so I think it's legitimate. I, I don't know if such a thing exists. I believe it does. I do wonder what the next step would be, you know, because it, is it talking? Uh, she said that she was a sponsor, so I guess that she helps this guy somehow get through, or she was helping this guy somehow get through his fear of heights. But I do wonder if, uh, is there a way to, like, push someone, like, step by step? Could you get them to, you know, touch the penny? Or do you, are you just there for moral support? Um, so it was an interesting thing to think about. I think it's hard for us because, well, I mean, you have a you have a strong fear uh, of spiders. Were you able to to relate to to any of the stuff that's going on? <clears throat> well, I mean, like I, I write a. <laughs> you, you, you I'm sorry. If you, you don't have to. I just thought maybe it'd be a good. Okay. Uh, no, I don't hear. Well, I mean, like, like uh, I think arachnophobia is a bit more of a common fear than fear of cute pigs. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little piggy. I, yeah, it was cute. I mean, I, I, I know there's like a whole catalog of, of phobias with their mm-hmm. own terms, but I don't know fear of pigs. I, I know there's there's fear of, I don't know. Um, I, I can't think of any right now. There are some very eccentric fears where you, where you, got, you hear them and think, well, wow, really? But, like, you know, agoraphobia is a natural yeah. fear. Um, failure is a natural fear. Death right. is a natural fear. I'm, so I'm wondering, like, you know, if someone says they are, they are like, like, they have a phobia against wood or whatever, or they have a phobia against, I don't know, uh, red Skittles. Like, if, you know, that risks... You know, a lack of self-esteem if somebody... And, and, like, for instance, what if bullets just started laughing at somebody? I mean, I, I'm applying realism yeah. to Gotham on Fox. So, and for all, for, all, for all I know or don't know, this actually is a realistic place. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, like, you know, when they, when, when they decide to give a character, like, you know, this goofball fear... And I say that because, like, you know, they had him be attacked by a guy in a giant, like, Chuck E. Cheese pig costume. Like, I, I don't know if that was meant to be taken seriously. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I feel that like it's, it's, it, well, my, with my fear, I just kind of live with it, you know? And to be honest, like, I, I, I've, I've kind of outgrown it, not outgrown it, but like I've lived, I've dealt with it better than I did with it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's just, it, it depends on different types mm-hmm. of people. But um, I wonder, I just, I just question the benefits of dealing with that in a, in a very public forum. That's all. Yeah. Uh, apparently, fear of pigs is called swinophobia. I just looked it up. <laughs> Why not that Josh has a fear of um, uh, falling of out of pla- windows? Well, yeah, out of a plane. He always talks about that. Yeah. So, and it was really cool. I mean, I, I mean, like you know, getting to the whole scarecrow mm-hmm. thing about it. This, of course, you know, I'm not going to compare this mm-hmm. guy with uh, Jonathan Crane from the comics because, like, there right. are different people. Although they deal with they deal with fear. But, like, the Scarecrow's, he's sort of like this, he's fascinated by the study of fear, which is, well, well this guy, gets, you know, which, you know, makes him a sadist, but this guy was just kind of like, you know, let me drown you and see what happens. <laughs> uh, it it kind of seemed like, you know, he was just a mm-hmm. serial killer. So I'm wondering, like, what what is the, about the approach to, like, you know, bringing in a Scarecrow-type character? And, and, and obviously, we probably want to tell our parents, like, you know, oh, look, there's Jonathan yeah. Crane right over there. Looking like Michael Leyland from Hey Kids oh Comics, uh, but what did you think? Well, about that? I s- getting back to that uh, f- that little fear circle. I do wonder how much of what uh, Crane said in there was truthful, because he does mention you know bringing his son into the fold and everything. Uh, I don't know if he was just BSing his way through, but I wondered once he started mentioning his son how much of that was true. I actually was really thinking that they were going to do New Fifty Two a uh, father. And just the fact that he experimented on his son and, and that's it just like carried down. Uh, but this was different because his son was basically the the driver, the getaway driver and, and helped his father. But you can tell that yeah. he's not there yet. He's certainly not brainwashed to believe that um, this is the thing to do because he's looking down at our redheaded friend there. And... Uh, you can see, like, the remorse and almost the guilt and, you know, Dad, or should we be doing this? Um, so what what is the question, just what I think of them overall? Do yeah, I, I don't know what he's uh, – I hope next episode gets to if he's still there. I don't know. I've, I thought maybe they mentioned it was a two-part. Did you see the preview? I did. They, like, it's been by a radioactive oh, scarecrow. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> I, I Yeah, I do wonder what is the – he says that he wants to – 
this will help the world. And, of course, they're taking out, you know, these glands and everything. And uh, I just wonder what his, his purpose is, how he's helping the world. I guess they're making, you know, these serums and everything. Um, I, I want to know, like, the big picture rather than just uh, pushing someone over the edge right before, you know, doing the... Uh, a uh, what are those called? A stethoscope to their heart, and then coming back and then ripping something out of their body. Um, because that in itself, it's just so I don't know. It's it's hard to follow almost. I it's I guess it's very simplistic what he's doing, but you just wonder like what is the the means of this? Because I felt like the other big villain we had was our electrocutioner, and it seemed pretty like understand you know what he was doing and there's enough of a mystery about it that that you would you were paying attention and intrigued but this one is not as intriguing for me anyways i think that like what makes scarecrow uh a favorite villain i say a favorite villain i I have like a handful but like what makes him a particular favorite of mine is that like jonathan crane the character it's it's a very unique and personal thing. His fascination mm-hmm. with fear, like you don't get the sense of, like that's just, just an arbitrary way so he can be a villain. He legit like like how Mad Hatter is obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. Like how the Riddler is obsessed with uh, villains, or, the villains riddles. I mean, like you know, it's a personal uh, like like obsession that he gleefully invests in himself. The, the, the study of fear, and I think to like you know give him a daddy complex thing where like his dad kind of like forces him into it it's kind of taking away something from the character and i'm trying to remember because as i was there when you guys when we all uh, talked about on dark knight i think we, because it was just new 52 i kind of just rolled my eyes to whatever i'll roll with it but like um i think there's something to be said for like and I, i'm not like you know this is what the comics are better but like there is something to be said about the fact that like uh you have a yeah this college professor who was so obsessed with fear that like he just like you know experiments on his students whether the school board gave him permission to or not, as opposed to a kid who is just, like, you know, made to look at a scarecrow until he feels afraid and <laughs> becomes a scarecrow, I guess. Which I guess happens next episode, but, um... It does feel that, like, they're shoving in the this, this scarecrow without fully understanding what makes them interesting. Just a fear angle. More of the gimmick rather than the character. And would you agree that that's not as interesting? I think there should be an origin to how and why. And that's why I, I'm fine with the father being some sort of presence and him having some sort of impact on it. Because I feel like there's got to be some reason why, just like with all these fears, there's probably some reason why that guy is afraid of pigs. Some reason why she's afraid of, of potentially drowning in a pool. So I think there's got to be some reason why he's obsessed with fear and giddy with fear. Well, I, th- I think that like, you know, when it comes to fear, a lot, fear can be a ra- mostly is irrational. Because, you know, like, like, like fears of drowning, that's, that's a, sort of a branch of fearing of death. And, like, you know, heights and stuff. Did you say irrational but, like, or know, rational? Well, I mean, well, what did I say? Like, like, like I think I said irrational, but okay. I meant rational. In that, like, you know, you can understand why people wouldn't want to fall off of Of course, building. yeah. <laughs> you can understand, like, you know, why drowning might suck. Because those are very terrible ways to die. When it comes to, to like, when it comes to like, things like, like pigs or, like, you know... Like uh, the fear of you know pennies or something like that, those don't harm you. I also don't believe pigs are. I don't think pigs are poisonous or anything. So like, um, I'm just I'm just wondering, like, when it gets to eccentric things like that, uh, those types of like seemingly irrational fears. Um, when 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 someone is like obsessed with that, I guess it's interesting, but it will be interesting to see like you know where that came from, not just you know one, mm-hmm. one guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go in circles. Oh, we'll talk about him next month. Oh, next episode. Okay. Taking us to that. Uh, I believe that the episode comes out uh, next week at the time of this recording. Anyway, um, do you want to talk about um, the lovey dovey stuff between uh, Gordon and uh, Young <laughs> Let's Strapping? be honest, this entire uh, episode is full of shippers. It, it, yeah, which is ironic considering what we're going to so record. Oh, so yeah, you bet. <laughs> There's so many. There was Penguin and Mulroney. There was Leslie, because they held hands, don't you know? Uh, Leslie and, yeah, and Jim and Jim and the ghost of Barbara and uh, Miss Cr- Wait, the what? ghost of her, because she's not there. 
I kind of want I want someone to like make a music video of Jim in the the apartment and you see like a grayed out Barbara and he's like reflecting on it with some like really emo music behind I think that'd be wonderful how could this happen to me (laughs) there you go oh gosh awesome um and then of course yeah uh Bullock and um is lady I just call her Red basically? But yeah, yeah. I forgot about her name. Yeah. Um, so what did I think about this particular? I really liked the dinner scene. I thought that was fun. Uh, where obviously she's there for a date, and the first thing he does, which is terrible, was lay down that folder and say, "Hey, I need your advice on something." And then you know her face falls, and then he explains the actually. Button. Yeah, it's uh. So I I just thought that that turned out well, though I'd still be pretty upset slash angry, you know, if someone said begged off and said he had something, even though you know. It's for the good of mankind. Um, the other scene, I think, was going It was going well, right? I thought, oh, what a surprise. Like, she'll be working at GCPD as a medical examiner. This should be interesting. Hijinks will certainly ensue. And then it, it just takes a heavy turn with her saying, you know, I'm not going to go to dinner with you unless you kiss me. And it's just going to be <laughs> it's just going to be a kiss on the cheek. And he's freaking out because people are watching him. And I thought to myself, well, you were in the locker room, so... Uh, what's this? Is there really such a difference? Um, and then, you know, going to count to three. She's going to lean in. So I thought, oh, I'm watching Will Smith and Hitch now. And then, um, that's, have you seen Hitch? Do you get that reference or no? It's it's, it's like, you know, like, 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 I forgot. Like, you got to go a a quarter of the way through and then get Yeah, it's like 90, 10 or something, what he was doing. Anyways, (laughs) and then, uh, so it's like one, two, three, and then full on the mouth. And I just thought, even though I, you know, I do ship those two They're making out in the middle of this Yeah, yeah, it was a little too much. I think they should have stopped with, hey, please get this job, let's go on a date. Then she walk off, would have been perfect. But to go this far, it was just a little too much. Well, it just just feels like, I don't know, like, uh, What's the actress's name again? Monica Barron? <laughs> Marina Baccarin, yeah. There we go. Marina, she, she's a highly attractive Brazilian actress, Black, Black Canary. But it's, it feels very, very like Hollywoody of them to like, you know, have this passionate make-out section while everybody's staring at them in the middle of the... Like, uh, she, she's, how many episodes has she been on? Three episodes now? Um, yes, I think so. Uh, I, I don't deny the attraction, but it feels like like they're trying to make this out more than it possibly can be or more than it is right now and i find it really silly i mean i did i did like the scene in the restaurant where it's actually kind of funny because i was just watching an episode where a certain brother told his twin brother to pick up on signs during a date but um like how how she was like you know in the dress and she's all looking vivacious and stuff and he's like you know great well i brought in work for us to do you know you can see her her face go oh and like you know, they do the whole like you know female thing where she's like, "Are you mad? No, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. No, I'm not mad. I'm obviously." What? Mad. <laughs> Why do you say Am that's I a right? female thing? Am I right, ladies? <laughs> Come oh on my now, gosh, here. you just lost seventy five percent of your listeners again. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I, I we don't it. want conflict. That's why we just you know. Well, that's that's well, that's that's, you know, that's another like you know media television thing, but uh, well, I like the fact that he says, "Okay, fine." This, this whole thing was a pretense to see you, even though it's a real case, and it was a bit confusing for her to say, "I'm actually interested." But um, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it's again like you know, Jim Gordon is romancing Doctor Leslie Tompkins. I, I don't know go. why it's so hard for you to get your mind around that. Because, and I, I'm trying to do this, but, like, when I think of the character, she's an old woman <laughs> who, like, saves her safety deposit checks and stuff like that. And now she's, like, you know, this, like, hot mom, whatever. I can't get her. Well, um, here's the thing. When they start doing, uh, what's it, I don't even know what it's going to be called, but uh, Midtown High, maybe, for Spider-Man, and you see J. Jonah Jameson dating Aunt May, mm-hmm. are you going to have a problem with that? Yeah. <laughs> I would have a big problem with that. <laughs> like, like, like this, the, the, that doesn't make this all better. But, but here's the thing, though. I, I recognize that it's a personal hang-up, and I don't let it ruin anything for me. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, the fact that I have to... The, the, the realization of it is what gets me <laughs> more than anything else. But um, I thought the scenes were... I thought the restaurant scene was good. I thought the, the last scene was very annoying and, like, I, I, have, I have yours to kiss you. 
you know, why don't you wait till you ask? Or why don't you ask me? If you asked me to. And then cut to credits. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> you saw that with me <laughs> when you stayed over that one time. Let's the Kill is an awesome James Bond movie. Um, anything to say before we move on to the, uh, the big fish, as it were, with uh, Penguin and Marnie? You know. Okay, now this personally was my favorite bit of the episode because, like I said before, I honestly, this was a great scene in that light, or this is a great several back of several scenes because I honestly wasn't sure where it was going, where Maroney takes uh, Penguin to like make out point or this random kid <laughs> and, and basically flirts with him until he basically has him ha- play. Let's play a game of secrets, Penguin. We men don't keep secrets from each other, so he spreads his legs and then says, "I have a secret." Then I'm going to tell you, there is no guy. What's your secret? I don't like oatmeal. My secret is Fish Mooney's alive. She said, you're, you're uh, teaming with Falcone. What's your secret? I don't like coffee. I have a secret. Uh, then I forgot what, what the other guy says, but um, uh, I love the bit where... Uh, actually, before I go on further, like you know, you know, obviously, Penguin kind of screws himself over. Mm-hmm. And um, some hilarious, truly hilarious scenes happen afterwards, but... Um, and Penguin, like, you know, weasels his way out and is still alive by the end of this episode. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, he sure is a slippery fish there. Um, but I'm done, done. I, yeah, I knew it was, uh, there was some trouble brewing. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, they spoiled it with the promo, which I'm sad about that sometimes promos, I mean, I guess they Not want much, to get the hype yeah. up. Well, they had the big, like, pointing a gun at him. I'm like, oh, no. How is this going to go down? You're trying to play. But you, yeah. I, I think his first mistake was getting in the car to begin with. But I guess there was really no other way around it. He even tried to beg off for a few moments, and that didn't even work. But I, I think he sensed at the beginning that, uh, because when someone's on the phone and their demeanor changes, you know that uh, it's, <laughs> something has gone awry. So... I was just thinking, like, what is going to happen? And then he takes him to this abandoned cabin, and and this is, like, the stuff that horror movies are made of. And he goes off to chop wood. Who even knows what he does out there? I guess he goes and sets up the demolition situation out there or something. And Penguin, you know, thinking he's so smart and getting the gun out. So Penguin is very much the Penguin we've seen where he thinks that he's a couple steps ahead and... Uh, most of the time he is, but this time he's a little behind. And uh, I, I think the the Russian roulette scene, Sands the Gun, was interesting. Um, Penguin's responses uh, irked me slightly, but I guess that's kind of the way they should have been because if you were Moroni, he probably would have been, uh, even though he said fair enough, um, it, you would have been irked as well with the, the oatmeal and the 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 coffee but what else is he really going to do and it just uh it was an intense scene so close together he's laying it all down and i think it was a mistake for for uh penguin to lay all of his cards out and say everything you know about you know basically i it's like there's no turning back from this so uh but of course there were blanks in there so i thought that was that was uh moroni was actually a step ahead are we just talking about the cabin scene no we we uh can talk about the whole like the, like okay. the uh, 60s show death trap that he put <laughs> oh man yeah and uh this happened to somebody i don't think it was fast and furious i think it was in, uh it was, did you ever see chaos no gone in 60 seconds though i think it happened in there too Nicholas Cage came and rescued his brother before he got crushed in there. I think so, anyways. <laughs> I think this probably happened in a James Bond movie, too. Uh, Did I someone get I'm, crushed? Um, in a car? Probably in a car. I'm not sure if it was like in that, that kind of like car wrecking area. Uh, yeah. There's 20 odd. I, I, I'm sure it may be, but like, I can't remember right now. Yeah, that's but, okay. But there's anyway, so many, you know, deaths. Like, like, like Nick Cage actually did this to somebody. Oh, okay. With his daughter. Uh, his daughter? Well, he and his daughter were both like like watching a crook do that. Oh, okay, okay. I thought he put his daughter in there. No. Nah. Uh, so yeah, I liked how he called Maroni when he was in there. That really, was so he's funny. trying to. I know. He's so like, Why? The, what do you want? Yeah. <clears throat> so the the what we're learning, I think, about uh, Penguin is while he is really intelligent, he also will flip whenever the situation calls for it, and just to see him 
you know, verbally betray Carmine and say, you know, I can help you out, Maroney. I can tell you what the Indian burial grounds were about, which I'm sure Josh was excited to hear because he still want, he wanted to know what those were about. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, just that he's willing to help him out. I thought, man, you know, is this really what it is? But he's, he, it's not like he's, even in the comics, he's not a super strong character. But I feel like this is opposite of what we've seen from him before but hey last episode we did see him kissing fish's feet which i which i also thought was i I didn't appreciate either but just to see him wiggle out of it um was fun that he's able to call the operator and basically tell him um the reasons why he needs to let him go and and it works out for him so in the end it works out but uh yeah again i just don't like him groveling and switching i almost want him to just be this really uh intelligent two steps ahead not willing to to step back from what he's doing but i guess maybe this is who penguin is well i'm with you now that like it, it does frustrate me when he immediately waffles and yeah. begs forgiveness and says we can you know do this together because he's been, he's been doing this since episode one and i wish that he were tougher than that yeah. Because I did not like it either when he was doing to fish. Because I didn't think that you know she had all that much ground to stand on. And in this episode, granted, he's very close to being killed, but it is, it shows like like I, I want this character to be a lot more conniving and intelligent and having a, a bit more of a plan in the future than he's been shown to do recently. Uh, that being said, though, honestly, him calling up Maroni and Murray's like, "Oh, you got to be kidding me! Why take it like yes. <laughs> that was." That was legitimately funny. I, I think that was meant to be funny. That was that had me laughing and yeah. But I, I honestly, I love the scene when they're doing the whole secrets thing, mm-hmm. and he's and I won't. He says, you know, tell me a good secret this time. And Penguin's file says, I have your gun. And then like you know, uh, he puts it in his face, and like they, like when that that those few moments, I thought that was awesome because mm-hmm. I did not see that coming. And he, okay, maybe. And it blinks, but uh, which yeah. I thought was, you know, you lie, bang, 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 uh oh, and then he, yeah, he actually shot him, which was a big thing. I, 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 I was like, oh, there's no way he can get out of this because he completely implicated himself. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really great. And I'm interested to see where this goes now because Pink was pretty much, I mean, I guess that like he can run back to Falcone, but uh, yeah, you know, well, he gets picked up by a busload of Donovans. No, he <laughs> he gets picked up by, by by a busload of um, uh, preachy gospel singers from. I don't know, uh, St. Vincent's Church of God or whatever. But um, I guess they're, they're going to be his new uh, Penguin Iceberg Lounge henchwomen now. Maybe. The Birds but, uh, of Prey. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine? You first can simply call us the Wonderland Birds of Prey. But um, I, I, I like this stuff because it was it's what I wanted from the Falcone stuff and that like, the instant Maroney knows that this guy is against him or whoever is against him, he deals with it and stays there to deal with deal, deal with it. It's not like Falcone says, you know, you've insulted me more than anyone ever has. Now I'm going to turn my back and assume that you'll you'll be killed eventually. That that annoyed me to the core. But I like I, I liked Maroney a lot in this episode because he's shown to be smarter and deadlier and more conniving than we took him credit. Because up to this mm-hmm. point, he's kind of been a cartoon. Yeah. So I, I appreciated him being a worthwhile criminal in this one. Although I did, I honestly caught a lot of uh, uh, accents of his um, Spanish uh, talking voice. I don't know if you did, but um, there were times where like, I guess, I guess because the guy's Cuban or whatever, or Hispanic, I'm not sure. But, but there were times where I caught a Spanish accent very strongly in, in his mm-hmm. uh, scenes. Well, do you think now that all this is out in the open, he's going to openly be with Carmine now? I think that that's probably in his best interest. Interest? Because why, like, why, why would he have to hide anything else, you know? And like, you know, mm-hmm. who's who's gonna attack? Who's gonna attack Falcone now that um, Fish tried and can't? Like, you know, is Murray's not really in a position to do so either. So like, I guess he, he, there's there's nothing else he really can do. But that's not a bad thing. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he certainly should. I don't know. He can't really play the. He can't play both sides anymore. I think now, it, now that everything's out in the open, that it's it's simpler to just be where his original allegiance lies, and uh, ex- yeah, let's hope that he doesn't waffle anymore and he just sticks with Carmine. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of done seeing him, like, you know, beg for yeah. his life and like you know, I, I, that 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 has. I don't like that. And it, it's, it's a penguin, but like it's it was so cool in Penguin's Umbrella when he kind of mm-hmm. took over. So I'm, I'm wanting them to kind of get away from that. 
Well, um, is there anything else that we didn't discuss? In this fish. Episode that you want to talk about? Or, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Fish is in, a, like I said, Commodore Schmidt Labs uh, submarine, uh, calling back to the Batman 66 movie. Uh, in fact, she's actually, I think she was kind of dressed like uh, the 60s Catwoman in that dress she was in, but um, that's taken over by pirates, and at the very end, she, they have a very, like, you know, Dragon Ball Evolution ending where she just runs into the guy. What you think about all that? Well, for, I just wonder who this man is. Who, who, not the guy that she's attacking because I have questions of that. But just the captain, like how she knows him, um, or did she just like buy her way or threaten her way on there? Uh, because he, you know, are, are your accommodations to your liking? Like he seemed very subservient to her. Um, and then, of course, then it turns into Captain Phillips all of a sudden. And uh, they're boarded by pirates, and I thought, what in the world? <laughs> like, she can't just have a peaceful journey out. We have to make it even more complicated. I, I feel like uh, they know that it's Fish, and it's going to be a background of who Fish was in the past, so maybe we'll finally see what she's like without her wig. Maybe this will be the past. However, was it just me, or did, like, some jungle music start playing? And then when those two went at each other, it was, like, tigers growling. Did you hear this? <laughs> I I I know I definitely heard uh, a big like, like, like yes. thing at the very end. As so the, what as, is she uh, actually cheetah or and then uh, it's bronze tiger? Just, just makes, they got, they got, I, I do think they could be well bronze tiger is not a pirate no. but uh, I, 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 thought, I thought if that's anybody it no. might be bronze tiger but it shouldn't no. it shouldn't be. <laughs> but, um, there, there was definitely like, like a jungle vibe going on which I guess you know it brings out the animal in this fish. Such a limply named yeah. character, but um, yeah, I, I guess like you know, because we, we've not seen her fight hand to nope. hand much, so, and she doesn't uh, have her bat. It implies yeah. that, she, yeah, it, it implies that she she's a real yeah. scrapper. But uh, I thought that was random. And it was. Weird. Do you <laughs> think their violence is going to turn into a love dance? You really want that? To like happen? they actually know each other. I feel like convinced that they know each other. In, 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 the, in the throws of passionate fighting, they start yeah. making Doesn't out. Doesn't it happen with all the movies? Yes. <laughs> it happened in Mr. and Mrs. Happened. Smith. Yeah, it, it, happened, it, it happened in the Venture Brothers. It happens in a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, if we see that, I don't know yeah. what I'll say. Probably, I'll probably put my You'll finger probably in my say, mouth. You'll probably say, don't lose your way. You can do it. You can do it. Okay. Fish is naughty. Get naked. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I was hoping for a solid blooper. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm not sure. That was so random, though. It was almost like you know. Well, obviously, this show. This show would rather die than to not have fish in an episode. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. But like, actually, she's gonna be attacked by pirates, mm-hmm. see, which is just, and I, and I like Jake, Jake Pinkett Smith's acting mm-hmm. of the character, but like, the for whatever it is, it just, it just feels really like stretching. Like they they they, 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 they don't know how to write her in, so they're just like you know, uh, pirates, you see, and that's yeah. a thing. I. I- yeah, I, I wanted I wanted it to be like Penguin when we saw him go on the other side of the shore. I don't even know if that's still Gotham. I guess not. Um, and just you know, after he killed the man eating and ate a sandwich, and then the frat boys and all that, just like how, what he's doing over there. So I, I wish we knew or just watched her as she figures out her plan and and gets settled and everything. That's what I want to happen but apparently that is not to be and was it just me or after the <clears throat> last time on gotham and they ended with the butch business did you think that the person in the chair on the roof was butch at first because i really thought oh look it's butch no i, I didn't because like the guy I, to me the guy didn't really resemble mm-hmm. him too much but that was the thing that like was completely jarred. i mean i don't know if if bullock even mentioned looking yeah. for him in this episode but uh uh, or if we're even going to yeah. go back to that, but um, I guess not. At least not for the time being. Maybe mm-hmm. we will. Maybe we won't. I'm sure that like when she gets back to Gotham, and she will. Like like uh, oh, by the way, Butch. You know he never be- he never screamed or whatever, like Sin City style. Oh, <laughs> um, that there that was that was one thing I wanted to bring up. Like that was a, a plot line, not not because Josh did the last episode. That wasn't really followed up in this episode. 
and we're still not seeing any more of Barbara Kane, thank God on the stick. Uh, because she really is an unlikable. Um, so I guess it like because these, these there were there was a lot of things going on, but I don't think that this episode jumped around as much as it, it did in a few episodes mm-hmm. before. I don't think it was as erratic. I don't think like the attention was spread as thin. And I think honestly, what was going on was, was pretty interesting. I thought. I mean, you said that you didn't think this was a great episode. What were your biggest comments? I just didn't like the main the scarecrow thing. I just thought it was the weakest villain we've seen so far. Weaker than Kaleidoscope Man? Which one was Kaleidoscope Man? The guy who, like, you know, look into this magic eye. Thing. Oh, actually, there's a knife in there. And now I'm going to get you, too, Mr. Mayor. Just don't oh, run gosh. from me too fast. I don't even remember that one. He was like like, 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 like the black guy. Was, oh, like yeah, I know it. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's It's been a while since... Well, I just feel like if you're going to have a two... He's a... For a one-episode person, I think that, you know, they serve their purpose. But for this, that's going to be over two episodes. Now I'm going to compare it to Electrocutioner, and I think that was really did good, you, but you, this one wasn't. You grade it harder because it's directly dipping into an established Batman villain? I just don't think it was as okay. interesting. as and, and to pull, you know, I, I think the next one's really got a step up the ante which it seems like it does just with the psychedelic images that i see and like a giant scarecrow head um but this one was just it was slow moving and and didn't really get to the point and i almost wonder could you have done this in one episode whereas electrocutioner i think um it it worked for being a bridged episode and did you think uh that what what it almost seems like it was professor pig because he had a pig head on. It, it yeah. did, yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to start like, dancing. Because he had an I, apron, well, and then he had like a saw. It totally was all of his shticks. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, though, because it, it was so much like Professor Pig, I'm wondering if that was hmm, a reference. Perhaps. But whenever they reference something, they don't tend yeah. to be subtle about it. So <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, if that was or not. Because that was a, Have you read Morrison's first story, Batman Robin? Where like he has Robin tied up and like he's just like being weird and stuff. That that, that it kind of reminded me of that. Although we don't see him doing anything before he's riddled mm-hmm. with bullets. Uh, and you said this is a weak lead. Waka waka waka. But um, yeah, that was a thing. Um, no, I, I didn't love the scare, the scarecrow thing, but I feel that like we've seen way 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 weaker uh, things that to occupy Gordon's time. But the other stuff was pretty interesting to me. Um, I'm wondering how. Tompkins will it will um, interact with people like Bullock and Sarah Essen because they're always like you know walking on pins and needles and I've not seen any indication that she's worried about uh, being killed for doing her job correctly so that might be an mm-hmm. interesting thing. Well, I don't see too uh, much. You know, I mean, medical examiners are there for a particular purpose, so it's not like she's going to be insinuating herself in every aspect of the case. So I feel like she'll be okay. Unless she, unless she becomes like a Tamara Tooney from SVU, and like oh it's just gosh. in every episode, and they need to con- con- convene a way for her. Yeah, to be in there. I'm I'm more interested in seeing how she and Edward Nigma interact because he's probably going to still want to be able to look at the bodies. Uh, yes, Alex Hay over on the website gave the fearsome Doctor Crane a three out of five batterings. Okie dokie. So, for the next episode of Gotham, uh, it is titled The Scarecrow, major spoilers, um, Gordon and Bullock set out to stop Gerald Crane, a biology teacher who has been harvesting the glands of his murder victims. Meanwhile, after fighting herself in an unusual setting, Mooney continues plotting to gain power, and Falcone attempts to change Mooney's plans for the Penguin. Then, excuse me. Bruce takes a treacherous hike in an all-new The Scarecrow episode of Gotham, airing Monday, February 9th, 8 to 9 Eastern Pacific on Fox. Uh, and you've, saw, have you've seen the preview, mm-hmm. correct? Anything of interest that uh, have you, has, has you arching an eye? I have some major problems right now mixing the preview uh, of what I saw with uh, what you just read. Suddenly, Fish is plotting her revenge, but nothing is mentioned about these pirates, so I guess she gets over that pretty quickly. I guess she survives that fight. Then we see uh, Bruce telling uh, telling Alfred that he's got to do this thing alone, and he's doing this treacherous hike. So again, we have like this negligent guardian weaving him. O- I mean, <laughs> like last time, hey, I'm gonna bring you to the house of this kid. You can beat him up. Hey, 
It's okay if you go out into the wilderness. I mean, really? It's like, uh. it's like it's like in Street Fighter. Like, you know, you must every martial artist must make their journey alone, even oh though he's like gosh. not even old enough to drop it. He's twelve years old. <laughs> this isn't a you know a trip down the mountain in Switzerland. Well, I, think, I think Alfred's read the comics, so he knows that Bruce will be okay one way or another. Well, you know, I hope Bruce uh, finds like a baby Talia and a Rachel Ghoul at the top of this mountain. God, no! Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the mountain is Nanda Parbat. What well, well, was Nanda Parbat doing in the backyard of Wayne Manor? <laughs> I or, did it say the backyard? Um. Well, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Where? I guess they don't say where he is. Yeah. But. See. I, I, I just thought it was like, like, like the way that like uh, Gordon and those other cops were driving, and there was all these trees. I thought it was the same place, but I, I guess it could be taken to India. I don't know. Yeah, the last, the big thing that I saw in the preview, at least, was um, Ed and Penguin face to face. Finally, for the first time since the '66 movie. But <laughs> 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 well, that's, that's that's true. That's, that's that was a, the shot that they ended on, and that was pretty yeah, awesome. pretty epic. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll kiss. Um, oh dear. <laughs> okay, so yes, uh, next week uh, we shall be back, or at least one of us will be. I imagine oh I'll be back. I'm, I hopefully Stella will uh, still be alive, like us, and have the ability to record podcasts. So she might be back, and Josh may be back as well. Ballot. So thank you very much for listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. See you guys next episode. kid, but, like, it turns out to be a Harvey Dewey. Oh, my gosh. They, oh. They basically took out the rap and, like, it, it's, well, I, I like it. If, if you want, you don't have to. Yeah, sure. I like the pump-up one. Yeah.